Now in their second season, Leadership of Belief with more cigar knowledge and more leadership insights. Two great leaders smoking great cigars. Here's our host, Austin and Dice. Grab a drink and jump in with a cut and a light. Welcome everyone to another episode of Leadership of the Leaf. My name is Dice. My name is Austin. Hi, Austin. Hi, Dice. <laughs> you ready for another great episode? I'm always ready for another great episode. But before we jump into our episode, you know I have to ask, what are you smoking and which Hennessy are you pairing it with? Oh, we are jumping right there. I would gladly share with our listeners and you. I am smoking something that a friend sent to me, very Ooh. near and dear to my heart here. Oh, sounds <laughs> like a, a good guy. It is. A, he's a great guy. Some may I'm say he's up. even a co-host of a podcast. What? Sin <laughs> Compromiso Selection Number Two Torpedo. Mm, and, and what Hennessy are you pairing that with? Oh, that's where the trick comes in, my friend. Oh, let me guess. You got a beer. <laughs> nope. All right. So uh, since it was a selection number two, I couldn't think of what the parent with. So I chose two different Hennessy's. I have a Tesla like dueling shot glass here. And mm-hmm. I built one with DSOP and the other one with XO. Oh, yeah. Very uh, nice. Very nice. Got a picture of it. Uh, we definitely will be on the Instagrams with it. Yeah. Look at those Tesla shot glasses. I was like, that's perfect. So I can see which one I think will pair better with the Sin Compromiso. Steve Saka, Dunbarton Tobacco, DeBarton and Trust Tobacco. Yes. Yes. All right. All right. I'm down. I'm down with it. I'm with it. All right. So as exciting as that sounded, I am curious to the latter. What are you smoking, sir? Oh, well, I am smoking, good sir, a... Sin Compromiso Selection Number Two Torpedo. Oh, hey, look at that! Hey, now like you're we... pairing it with Hennessy? No. Ah, oh. do I ever? Do I have I ever paired with Hennessy? <laughs> hey, that could be a first time for everything. We're going to have opposites day. <laughs> that would be interesting. We should do that. <laughs> no, I decided to uh, pair this since it's a selection number two. I decided to go with a 12-year scotch, right? You know? Yeah. Just use 10 as the base. Yeah, right? (laughs) So I got a Glenfiddich 12-year. All right. Glenfiddich. That's that's one of your favorites. It is. It is. So I uh, was recently gifted that by the lovely wife. So I figured I should drink it. Oh. Right? That sounds like exactly what it was made for. Yeah, right? Exactly. Weird. <laughs> All right. Well, do, do you want to go over our topics? What are our topics? Cigar topics? Yeah. So, the cigar topic we're going to talk about. Yeah. So, I, I'd love to go over our topics for this evening. Uh, so, the first for the cigar topic, we're going to talk about the body of a cigar and how to talk about it. And then for our leadership topic, we're going to discuss the differences of learning by listening versus learning by talking. Oh, those are great. That's a great leadership topic, my friend. That is. I'm, I'm interested to see what you think, uh, how you feel you learn the best by. Because I'm pretty sure I know which way I learned. 
I, I guarantee you I know which way I'm at. But we'll go over it and we'll discuss, as we always do, as we go through our notes, share our thoughts, use our education just for our listeners. But before leadership, we always talk about cigars because we are a cigar podcast. Yes, a cigar podcast and not any other type of podcast. All right. So for our cigar topic, we're talking about the body of a cigar. When I say body of a cigar, I'm not talking about the actual physical. If you look at the shaft, the middle part, the main portion of a cigar, I'm not talking about that body. Did you I'm, just say shaft? Yeah, I know. Calm down. Don't get excited. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not getting excited. I'm just watching you fondle that shaft of your cigar. <laughs> so as I was saying before you so interrupted with your excitement of me holding my shaft, we're going to talk about basically the main three ways to talk about a cigar and concentrate on the body of the cigar. What do we mean when we say body? Ooh, well, I always think about it in a couple different ways. Usually, I have to start out with the flavor of a cigar, right? The distinctive taste of a cigar. Yeah, Bill Burr, you're taking, some, you're, you know, you're tasting some smoke. Got it whatever <laughs> there are flavor notes in cigars right cigar flavors can be discussed in two forms you have the distinctive taste and the magnitude whereas the magnitude of a cigar's flavor can be rated as light light to medium 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 full or full yeah it comes down to the intensity of an individual's perception on the flavor if cigar has weak flavors or just light nuances of flavors, then it would be rated as a light flavored cigar, and the opposite would be true. Um, if the intensity and the clarity of, of flavors are bright, pronounced, and focused, then it could be rated as a medium to full or even full flavored. This is what we're talking about, right? So when you get, like, let's just, for, for giggles, um, the Cedrus, right? Uh, Southern Draw Cedrus. That is a heavy cedared cigar. As the name implies, you can taste almost nothing but cedar. It's ridiculous. Um, but the distinctive taste of a cigar is perceived through the taste and smell senses, right? We've talked about the smell sense before. Yeah. Yeah, when I think of like either light or full or however you want to say it, you know, as soon as you uh, use a point out the cedar, as soon as you take a puff of it, I, I, bam, cedar. Yeah. cedar, as opposed to something that's uh, very light in flavor, which I can't think of any off the top of my head, but something that's very light. Like Camacho, gotta, Connecticut. You just, um, maybe I'm getting like, uh, you know, wood, I, earthy. I usually find Connecticut's really light, right? They're supposed mm. to be. It's a Connecticut. Oh, I get this creamy, slight nutty. Mm, yeah. You know, that's about like the, maybe you get an earth in there. But really, it's like a nutty, creamy kind of flavor, a little bit of vanilla maybe in there. But those are usually the lighter cigars. I know Camacho Connecticut's, they're pretty light. Um, they go into the, you know, that's without going into the, the flavored stuff. But uh, you can't really separate the senses of taste and smell because they're both active when we identify and describe flavors, right? You eat, I don't know, spaghetti. <laughs> and you know like you taste the spaghetti but then you'll you'll you're sitting there and you're smelling the thyme and the rosemary and that adds to the to the experience of eating 
your uh, your food. You know, most people don't sit there and just plug their nose and eat food. Like it doesn't. If you've ever tried to tried to hold your nose and taste something, it doesn't work as well. Right. Like you hold your nose to take a big spoonful of medicine or something. Yeah, exactly. So in part because of our ability to detect flavor is a result of the taste bud density on the surface of the tongue as well as the sense of smell. Yeah, the taste receptors in our mouth before and just if anybody is eating anything sweet or salty or anything, you, you get those uh, taste sensations on your tongue. You got the sweet, sour, salty, bitter, umami. umami. Oh, umami. <laughs> <laughs> or savory, if you will. Okay. Yeah, if you want to be one of those guys, I like umami better. I do like umami. <laughs> that sounds dirty. <laughs> like Shab. <laughs> oh, man. The chemical constitutes uh, in the tobacco is influencing the taste receptors on your tongue, which are different parts of your tongue as they uh, fire up the synapses of the different taste buds on your tongue for the salty, the bitter, the umami, as such. So that's what we're talking about when we're talking about flavor. So I yeah. don't want to get flavor confused with body. Right. And if you, if you guys are having problems taste, I just chewing the smoke. It sounds weird, but your mind and body are conditioned to taste flavors when you're chewing. So if you've ever tried to chew smoke, sometimes you'll find that the flavors become a lot more clear. Uh, but another way to describe a body, the, you know, we don't want you guys to misconstrue as the body of a cigar is strength. So usually you experience the strength of a smoke through our internal senses the same way you experience the effects of drugs or alcohol, right? That's that nicotine buzz, that, that thing that hits you in your mouth and when you stand up and you go, ooh, I'm woozy, right? That sort of stuff. That's the strength of a cigar. So when smoking a cigar, a person will feel the effects of the nicotine and may result in an increase in respiratory rate, dilation of blood vessels, Usually we kind of become flushed, you can get lightheaded, um, kind of woozy, but the strength of the cigar can be felt in the gut or the esophagus as a result of gastro and gastric reactions to the tobacco, or the sensations may be experienced in the head. It's like that, I said, that woozy feeling or the lightheadedness. Uh, usually like the newer uh, or novices cigar smokers, whenever they get a strong cigar or uh, something that has lots of nicotine that packs a punch, that's when they feel the, the effects. Uh, I'm pretty confident uh, if you remember the first time you actually smoked a legit premium cigar, I'm pretty confident you got that like, oh, hey, I like the way this makes me feel inside nicotine buzz because I, I know I did and I enjoyed it. And I, man, I get it even to this day with certain cigars until I switch up and then I get it again and switch up and get it again. Yeah. Well, I got it, I think, when we were smoking last, I was, I was smoking uh, that new diesel, and I sat there, and I was just getting woozy and woozy and woozy, and I, I couldn't figure out why, and it was just that that diesel had kind of kicked my ass. Um, so I just kind of, I had to take a break and kind of kind of settle myself down, eat a little piece of sugar. I took a mint. I was fine after that. Uh, but the magnitude of a cigar's strength can also be rated as light, light to medium, 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 full, or full, depending on how much nicotine kind of punch there is in there. Well, yeah, because the strength is related to the overall experience and effects of the tobacco and how strong those effects uh, become, especially how strong the effects become over you. So 
it, like you were saying, we still describe it as, as light. Like this is a light and shrimp cigar, or this is a very full and shrimp cigar, which is again something that's different than when we are talking about the body of a cigar. Yeah, because I'm I'm very confident a lot of cigar smokers out there, especially ones that are new or just smoking for really not as heavy as uh, I guess you and I would, or some of the other people out there. They often hear these words of flavor, strength, and body. So that's why I wanted to make sure that we separate exactly the flavor, strength, and then we're going to talk about the body of the cigar because I think that is probably the most overlooked portion when we're talking about cigars. Uh, are you in your first third by chance? I, I can talk about my first third. Oh, please do. I'd love to hear what you're getting from this i'm i am very curious what you're getting so my first third is is reaching for earthy is what i'm getting off the top but then as i'm chewing the smoke i can get some chocolate and on my tongue i can feel pepper those are the exact things that i'm getting i get i get an earthy note up front with a with a slight under hint of like cocoa uh, or chocolate and then, uh, then when I do my retrohale, I can feel that pepper coming through on the back end. That's uh, really good. It's a well-blended cigar. I 100% appreciate it. There is absolutely no compromise when I'm smoking the cigar. Hey. Yeah. In case anybody didn't get that, sin compromiso means no compromises. Hear that, Matt? <laughs> How's the Hennessy pairing with it? Which one well, are you drinking first? Let's put it that way. I've been I've been sipping a little bit of both as I oh, okay. as I puff throughout. So as of right now, the XO is pairing better because the XO is smoother, which gives a, a more, I guess, uh, palate cleansing for the uh, cigar to engulf my palate. As whereas the VSOP has a slight little bite to it, which takes away some of the pepper. Okay, interesting. So we're gonna talk about the, the body. Cigar body does not refer to the strength. It does not refer to the flavor of a cigar. It refers to a way in which the flavor of the cigar fills and coats your mouth. In cigars, this is often associated with volume, richness, and color of the smoke produced when you draw on your cigar. So it's talking about how it coats the inside of your mouth as you swirl it in your cheeks, swirl it in your, your nasal cavities, your factory, how it coats the whole like insides of your, your little palate there. So, you know, we've all had that. It's like the difference between milk and heavy cream, right? Milk is not as thick and leave, you know, leave a taste and everything else in your mouth. It's, it's uh, a lot lighter. You know, you got skim milk, 2%, you know, whole, and then you go into heavy cream. If you drink some heavy cream, that's a very heavy form of milk versus like skim which is basically just like water so right. it's that's that's kind of what we're looking for here right but tobacco leaves that are the highest in nicotine also tend to be the fullest in flavor magnitude of a cigar's body can be rated rated as mild mellow mellow to medium 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 full or full notice there's a lot of um similarity between strength flavor and body this is why people tend to get this stuff sort of confused. Exactly. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to break it to the forefront, because a lot of novices probably get confused or just don't quite have a, a very strong understanding of it. And then if they're anything like me, I just go with the flow. But like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's full strength, body, flavor, 
full yeah. medium. <laughs> Until I learn, you know, you learn from the older heads that's sitting in and but like, what, what are you talking about, boy? That's a medium cigar. What, you, what What's wrong with you? Yeah, it's full flavor, but medium, medium body. And I wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> so people who consider themselves connoisseurs of wine, spirits, or beers have an easy time understanding this term because they already are conditioned for that. They already swish it around the glass and get the smelling notes and all that crazy stuff that they do as I'm more of a, uh, I'm going to drink it. Yeah, well, I mean, if you go from the difference between like a porter or a stout to a blonde lager. Oh, yeah. Right? I, like, yeah. The, the the porter and the stout's going to be way heavier body than the blonde lager, right? <laughs> it's just... Right. Like, that's, that's kind of the, you know, just trying to give everybody terms that maybe you can understand but a full body cigar is going to feel heavy in the mouth and the nose contrary to the feel of very light body cigar similar if you have a heavy bodied beer like a porter or a stout it's very heavy on your nose you get that chocolate notes you get that you know what whatever you know get like if you get guinness it's very chocolatey heavy beer and then you go yeah. to you know, I don't know, a Hefeweizen or something like that, light and fruity, it's going to be a lot lighter on your palate. Um, same thing with a cigar, you're going to have a light body cigar. But the greater the impact one feels in the mouth and the nose, the greater the body of the cigar. Like, I would rate this one, I don't know, I'd probably say mellow to medium, maybe medium. I would say the same. I agree with now, you. Now, its strength might be full, and its flavor, it's definitely very flavorful cigar. I'd probably put it as a medium to full flavored cigar and uh, the strength I'm kind of probably going to go with a medium, right? So yeah. boom, just right there. I gave you three different ratings all across the spectrum. Uh, sensory powers of the nose come into play when retro inhaling, which we did. Uh, that's how we got the pepper, the retro nasal olfactory system and the mucous membrane of the nose will have a great impact, not only on the experience of the flavor, but also the experience of the body, which we, uh, when we did a retro and help, that's when we actually got the pepper from the flavor, yeah. which, uh, constitutes more of a, in the body terms. Right. So, and, and a kind of an easy way to tell, um, whether it's strength, uh, how strength how strong it is and how how much body it has. If you retro inhale and it makes your eyes water, you got a strong cigar. <laughs> you got a full bodied cigar, right? Yes. If you're like, oh my gosh, I put it through my nose and it burns. Oh, and your eyes starts watering and stuff like you just inhaled pepper. Um, you know, you could kind of get a get a sense of it. Um, but yeah, that all of that has an experience on the flavor and the experience of the body and everything else. So let's break down some the the spectrum of body, right? So you okay. start out with a mild cigar. So in terms of body, mild means that the smoke is thin and wispy, doesn't really coat the mouth. Think water, uh, light and breezy on the palate. You know, something like this would be maybe an Ashton Classic Churchill, a Rocky Patel Vintage, 1999 Connecticut, or maybe the Davidoff Signature Series. All of those are very light, mild cigars. Yeah, and to be honest, I really didn't uh, recognize that at first because I'm a David Davidoff fan. So I saw a Davidoff uh, Series 2000 and I got it and I was looking forward to it. And I was like, man, this, this cigar was a little light in the britches. And then yeah. uh, later I found out it's it considered a mild cigar. And I'm like, okay, I see. So uh, I'm more of a, you know, a Winston Churchill fan, late hour fan. So right. uh, I appreciate the Davidoff Series, uh, Signature Series. 
but it would not be my go-to because it's a little too mild for me. But actually, it is mild, and I'm not a huge mild cigar fan. But I did notice when I was doing research, a lot of these mild cigars, not even considered on the spectrum of uh, full, medium, or whatever body, they are in mild. There's no mild to mellow, mild to anything. It's just mild. A lot of these cigars are the uh, catalog type cigars. Like you'll see a lot of Ashton cigars that's going to be in the mild category. No matter right. what the name, Ashton, whatever name behind it, it's still going to remain in the mild. And a lot of the like legends and stuff like that for these catalog cigars are going to stay in the mild range. Mild is probably one of the easier cigars for a blend, master blender to put together. Even like a novice master blender, they're aiming or maybe they're not aiming, but it turns out to be this mild. So mild is on the, in my opinion, by all means, it's just my opinion. Mild is on the, on more of the budget stick side, catalog cigar side. Right. I, yeah, I could see that. I mean, I you know I tend to I tend to associate a lot of Connecticut's with that, but that's not always true because there's some great Connecticut's that have a lot of body to them, a lot of strength and and full of flavor. Um, Perdomo is a great ex, you know example of being a Connecticut but being full of flavor and having a decent amount of strength and body to it. Uh, but let's jump in mellow body cigars so that's usually where your newcomers come in they're very popular but they sometimes get a bag of rap against uh you know the enthusiasts who prefer a bolder cigar smoking experience they usually those people usually feel the mellow body means that the cigar is weak in strength lacks flavor or just you know it's just kind of yeah i put smoke in my mouth and i blew it out but there wasn't really anything to it right um if you ask any knowledgeable cigar aficionado, along with the most notable cigar makers in the industry today, they will tell you that this is a total misconception and it doesn't really have any merit. Um, usually the smoke is thin and delicate, doesn't really coat the mouth either. Uh, think Macanudo Cafe, um, an Asylum Insidious, or a, or a Baccarat. Yeah, uh, Austin. Sir. So if I was to get a mellow cigar, is that going to be a lack of flavor? No, no, not always. I mean, the Macanudo oh. cafes don't have. They, I feel like they have pretty good flavor. Oh, I was just asking a, a knowledgeable cigar guy because I want to dispel that rumor. Oh, hey, I'm here for you, bud. Thanks, my friend. I'm here for you. <laughs> no, and, and asylums are not known for being weak. No, 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 no. You know what I mean? In, insidious. Like that's yeah. The name alone is like ooh. <laughs> Well, that, that takes us forward to now the mellow to medium body cigars. Now, the mellow to medium body cigars are, are a notch a notch up compared to the mellow cigars. I mean, it says mellow to medium. It makes sense. Simply because they, they contain a bit more nicotine. That means they, they chose some of the leaves on the tobacco um, that has a little more nicotine that adds just a bit more kick to the overall smoking experience so that you can easily be enjoyed throughout the rest of your day. The smoke output could be slightly thicker. It coats the mouth just a little bit more. Uh, and some of these cigars, I've, I know I have smoked some of them before. Room 101, uh, the Payback, Connecticut, Drew Estate, Al de Sol, Maduro. That's a Maduro and an H. Upman, Connecticut. Now, I know I smoked the H. Upman, Connecticut. And the Al de Sol Maduro, I, I, I love. It's one of, one of my favorite, like, just off-the-cuff, different kind of cigars. So... The mellow to medium, I, I get, and in my frame of mind, when I think of mellow to medium, I'm thinking that they made a mellow cigar and then back, 
add more strength to the back end because the smoke is funneling down the the uh, cigar tube to build up that medium body. Yeah. Uh, no, I and I've smoked several several mellow to medium body cigars. I mean those those are the type of cigars that I can go to easily and I can smoke. I can smoke them all day long and I have zero issues without anything. Um, you know, like I just smoke them if I'm doing chores or, you know, whatever. Hey, I know I got this cigar. I know it's not going to kick my ass. I know yeah. I'm going to get, you know, flavor notes, but I'm also going to have a little bit of a, of a kick, but it's not going to be just like I'm drinking water or whatever, but I get a little bit of something. So those are, those are really good. I like those. Those are my all day cigars, in my opinion. Um, medium body is our next notch up. It's the perfect balance. Um, somewhat mid- midway between full and mild cigars and contain a lower amount of nicotine than full, but a little bit more than mellow to medium. Uh, most common and for the most part, pretty complex type of cigars. Smoke has substance. It's usually coat the palate, similar to like low fat milk, like 2% milk, right? You get that, that nice coating. Uh, Drew Estate, Herrera Esteli Habano, a Davidoff Winston Churchill. Um, you know, C- some CAOs have that medium bodied cigar. Uh, and those are really, really good. That's right in our, I think, on you and me's wheelhouse. Yeah, I, w- I was looking at the note that said it was um, the most common and the most part uh, complex. And I was looking at that and I was like, how could this be more complex? It's medium. It's right down the road, right in the middle of the road. Well, it has to stay in the middle of the road. So as you continue to smoke down the cigar, that means that the nicotine buildup and all that is going near the end of the shaft here, near to the end of the tobacco tube. So you got to be able to balance it out to where it doesn't turn into a medium to full. You want to keep it medium. So the complex layers of the tobacco from the master blenders and whoever is blending it, master blender, whoever, they have to keep the medium consistent throughout. So they know like near the end, it's going to start turning full body. So I need to maybe pull back some of the tobacco near the end, change up the leaf profile near the end or something, because I want to keep this medium throughout. So that's a complex trade-off that that is going to require a lot of skill, actually, in my opinion. Of course, I'm not a master blender, but I would think it would require a lot of skill to keep something medium all the way through. No, I 100% 100 agree. Um, It's definitely one of those things where, you know, a lot of times you get these cigars and it starts out pretty medium and you're doing good. And then towards the end, it just starts hitting you and you're like, what the, what happened? And usually it's just, you know, the way they bunched up the leaves and everything else, it just started getting a little bit more uh, full towards the end. So it's a little bit, a little bit more difficult to, you know, a little bit more difficult to blend. It's perfect. That leads to the medium to full, exactly what we was describing. So the medium to full cigars are normally aged to perfection to provide a robust yet exceptional smooth experience. And uh, before I even get even further down, uh, probably the best medium to full cigars I ever smoked was a Padron Black. And that it was just aged to perfection. It was smooth yeah. and the transitions, I, I got it. It was, it was all exactly how it was described. Yeah, usually a lot of smokers who normally prefer a more mellow smoke are surprised by how well they can adapt and enjoy a top quality medium to full body cigar. You know, you got those Rocky Patel 15th anniversary, a Perdomo Reserve 10th anniversary Champagne Sun Grown, uh, Drew Estate, Drew Estate, my Uzi Way a ton. All of these are medium to full bodied cigars. Um, you know, I the Sin Compromiso, 
I like I said, I don't know that I would put this in the medium to full. Maybe medium. Man, my burn line is amazing. Good. <laughs> Perfect. That's what we like to hear. So that that leaves the the last one, which is going to be the full body cigars, and full bodies is what the the cigar smoker of the world, the the champion cigar smokers, the seasoned cigar smokers. I only smoke full body because I want strong full body cigars. The smoke is normally thick and heavy. Uh, when you think of it, the way the smoke coats your mouth, is it's going to be similar to that of like eggnog. It will feel heavy and substantial, but the complexity and intensity of the different flavors and elements still create a robust like balance in, in your palate. Something like, a, I don't know if you remember, I smoked that uh, Camacho Triple Maduro. Yeah. There's a Liga Provada number nine, the Oliva yep. Cane uh, F550. Like these are full body. These are like, yeah, They're I got a cigar. Punch you in the mouth. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's definitely one of those you know. Hey, like, I'm not full body is not for everybody. Those are the ones that are gonna punch you in your in your teeth and kind of go, ooh, all right. Like, I, I'm I'm gonna have to sit down, and drink some water, and maybe suck on a little mint or something. Uh, you know, until you get used to it. Once you get used to it, people can smoke these. But um, I kind of look at these as my dessert cigar, right? This is my last thing I'm gonna smoke before going to bed. Uh, because I'm not gonna go from a full body to a to a lighter body because that full body is gonna stay on your palate so much longer because that smoke is going to sit there and coat my palate. So I'm not gonna be able to enjoy a let's say a mild uh, a medium to mellow or mellow to medium or a medium or anything like that type of scar as much after smoking a full body. Correct. Uh, I'm in the same boat. Uh, full body is normally gonna be my last, or if I'm only smoking one that night. Uh... I would normally try to pick a full body, something that's really gonna like, something that takes great Instagram pictures for the smoke coming out your mouth, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> something that you, you put in there and it's like, the smoke's there, right? You can't, yeah. it's obscuring half your face because it's so good, it's so thick. But uh, hey, if you found yourself kind of just puzzled or perplexed by what difference um, the difference between cigar strength and body and flavor, you're not alone. There's a lot of experienced cigar smokers that don't quite understand that distinction. But, uh, you know, you guys can always turn to us. We're here to set the record straight. We'd love to hear your questions. We want to hear you guys from you guys on our Instagram, at Leadership of the Leaf. Post, give us your questions. Send us a message. Um, send us a comment, whatever the case is. And we will try to get back to you and answer any and all questions. So that being said, sir, our second third, you need a second third? Um, almost. Yeah, I'm, I'm about there. I think I'm about there. What about you? All right. How about this? We take a break. We come back. We talk about our second, third. We jump into some leadership. I'm about it. Let's do it. All right. Let's go. To All right. Hey, everyone. Um, Thanks for listening to Leadership of the Leaf. I'm just uh, letting you know, if you want to see what kind of cigars that myself, Dice, and Austin, what we're smoking on each episode, check out our Instagram on Leadership of the Leaf. All one word. At Leadership of the Leaf. And please, leave us a comment. Send us a message with whatever questions or what you guys are smoking on. Maybe you guys have some suggestions for us that we'd love to give it a shot.
at Leadership of the Leaf on Instagram. Hello, this is Kathy, better known name is Kat from a case expert painting, and you are listening to the Leadership of Leaf hosted by Dice and Austin. Welcome back to Leadership of the Leaf. We just took a quick break right there, but before the break, we were talking about cigars and the difference between flavor and strength and body. Uh, and just how you kind of rate those those sorts of things. But before we jump into our leadership topic, which is learning by listening versus learning by talking, what's your second third? Okay, uh, this I'm very curious on because I got enough Hennessy on my palate to kind of change it up. Maybe, maybe we still get the same thing. So sweetness is coming through on this uh, cigar. If I had to uh, put a flavor profile to it, I would say it's like a slight coffee creamer type sweetness. I'm still getting the pepper and my chocolate has moved to like a chocolate malt, maybe like brownie, but more of a chocolate. I'll say malt, let's go with malt. But I'm definitely getting chocolate, I'm definitely getting pepper and I'm definitely getting some sweetness. Hmm. I'm not getting the sweetness, but Hennessy is already a very floral type uh, cognac so maybe that's where you're getting your sweetness I'm getting an earthy chocolatey still a little bit of pepper um, flavor note um, but the earth has become a lot stronger I, I I was smoking on it and I almost maybe I am getting some cinnamon uh, maybe that spice has turned out in pepper but more like a cinnamony type spice and okay. that might be where the, the sweetness and, and cinnamon and pepper is kind of coming through. That makes sense because my, my VSOP, it takes that bite away, like I was saying. So that could take the cinnamon part away and give it more of a mellowish, more sweet flavor. That's why I'm not yeah. seeing cinnamon and I'm leaning towards the coffee creamer side. Yeah. Well, I'm definitely feeling some coffee in here in the background area somewhere. I'm getting There's, coffee somewhere. I, I'm, I'm tasting coffee, just not coffee creamer necessarily, but some, maybe some coffee. Maybe I'm putting those two together. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll, it's, we'll go it's with it. Okay. It's all subjective, right? Yeah, taste buds, right? Yeah. All right, so learning by talking versus learning by listening. So we're going to jump into learning by talking. So have you ever dice? just sat there and and you know let's say you were working on a math problem for school or something and you talked yourself through that entire math problem and just narrated what you did uh yes yes yep you were learning by talking so or as you also like to say whenever you learn something and you take that idea and you go teach it to somebody else that's the best way to learn right yes Right, because learning by talking is basically taking our ideas and presenting them to others, which forces us to reorganize our thoughts, create new pathways that maybe we didn't notice between the material. Um, and our ideas have to become more logically organized because if we're presenting it to somebody else, then if you just go all over the place, nobody's going to sit there and be able to follow what the fuck you just said. Correct. And... When, when I was reviewing this, when I was going over this, it, it helps us make sense of the abstract by connecting it to our memories and other experiences. And when I read that line, I immediately, immediately, because my daughter is playing Zelda, Tear of the 
what uh, is it? Kingdom. Tears of the Kingdom. So she would do something and it didn't work. So she has to go back because she died. So she has to go back and redo it. But she, I can hear her literally talking to herself through it. Like last time I did this and this and this. That doesn't make sense. She's reorganizing her thought logically. She is talking out loud. She is using her to make sense of the abstract by connecting it to her memories because she remembered what she did last time and that didn't work. So she talked her way through it to get through. So she learned by talking, even though it's playing a video game and she's talking to herself, but the same learning by talking, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. uh, So by talking through a subject, a person can discover blind spots, missing pieces of information, or even different perspectives. Um, You know, talkers are able to connect with others while socializing and discussing new ideas in an environment that fosters positive relationships and communication. That's why talking through a problem with a friend or a colleague helps us solve the problems that we're facing. You ever have a problem with your, you know, your significant other or a social problem or something? You're like, hey, I'm just going to talk to my best friend, my mom, my spouse, whatever, co-host. Hey, (laughs) I got a problem. Help me out. This is my problem. And here's why I think this is my problem and da, da, da. You know, and and by thinking about it and putting words to it and, and making it concise, you're already working through that problem. Yeah, I know at, at work, I have a coworker or a friend of mine that's at work. And a lot of times I'm like, does this make sense? And I will say it out loud. But when I'm saying it out loud, I'm actually articulating. I'm putting the abstract, the logical thought process behind the words that I'm using. And I'm choosing those words uh on purpose so I can make sure that what I'm saying is exactly what I'm trying to figure out to where another person can hear what I'm talking about. So when I'm talking, it has to sound logical to me first before I spew it out to someone. Right. Um, A lot of companies use the after action review. Sometimes they call it a hot wash or after action review. Um, This forum forces each participant to answer specific questions. So that encourages those people to put their feelings and experiences into words, which then the act of learning can come from the translation of thoughts and feelings into words said out loud, explaining expectations and lived reality to others. So if I'm like, hey, boss, this new process didn't work. I just feel like it doesn't, you know, it doesn't make sense. And he's like, well, okay, explain to me, why doesn't it make sense? And that forces you to go, well, it doesn't make sense because if we're doing X and we're doing Z, where the hell is Y and Y is over here down the line, that doesn't make any sense because Nissan in a sequential order, blah, 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 blah. And the boss could be like, ah, I see what you're saying. That, that makes sense to me. And you're like, ah, I didn't even, I couldn't feel, I could feel that it was wrong, but I didn't even know what I was saying until I talked out loud. Correct. Um, talking out loud, it, it essentially puts like a dry race board in front of you as you're you're talking out loud. So you mentally, like as you talk out loud, you're mentally writing on your dry race board to see if everything that you're saying out loud is making logical sense. Yeah. So that's the reason why small group workshops are effective for this reason. They create small groups around a key question and encourage different people to answer the question. And each person has to decide what words to use to fully explain that answer. So essentially what happening, what is happening is each person is drawing out what they want on a chalkboard. But I mean, I'm just using that as a metaphorical sense because each person is using their words to describe exactly what they think the answer to the question is. And then hopefully as a small group, each person, as they talk out loud, it puts that logical thought process for everyone to kind of see. 
Yeah. Um, therapists, the therapy sessions work in the same way, right? They'll ask a question and the patient has to respond with words. And usually the, there's, they keep asking just certain questions and the patient keeps coming up with words and puts their thoughts and feelings and and they go, oh, I don't know, maybe I do this and too much and blah, blah. Oh, that makes so much sense as to why I'm messing up now or or why I, I react this way to this problem. That makes so much sense. So they come to a realization of what their problem is or, or how to solve their problems. They're at aha moment. They're like, ah, now I get it. It, it makes sense. Yeah, because anyone can ask a question and you just are like, ah, oh, the answer is dog. All right, my friend, why? Yeah, why? Why do you oh. think you do this? Oh, well, well, let me let me talk let me talk you through to why I do this. Yeah. Well, ah, I see why I do it now. I didn't know why I did it. I just did it. Now I know why I did it. I said yeah, it out loud. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so thinking out loud helps people work through, you know, like I said, the math problems, or even just keeps their mind engaged on the problem at hand, like with with your daughter, right? She's sitting there going, oh, this this didn't work, so now I gotta try this, and now I did this last time, boom. Keeps her mind engaged on the problem at hand because in a world of so many distractions, especially with our cell phones that are in our pockets, um, it's so easy to get distracted on a problem. Um, and there's a lot of times, and I know I've done this to myself, for myself, and my, uh, my mom's actually sat there and made fun of me. I've sit there and kind of talked through how I'm writing a paper and she's like, do you always talk the way th through your paper? I'm like, yes, because it helps me make sure that it's in a logical sense because I've talked myself through it and I'm like, that doesn't fit there. It fits better up here after I've what I've already typed, not down here. And it reorganizes my thought patterns. And so I'm like, ah, oh, this makes so much more sense. Um, but uh, Plato and Socrates have a famous example of learning by talking. So Plato and Socrates, uh, Plato once asked Socrates a question during one of their conversations. To Plato's surprise, Socrates responded by asking Plato a different question in return. The Greek philosophers called this type of learning the Socratic method. In this method, you would ask a series of questions in order to help students think through, uh, think through and come to their own conclusions on various topics. This dialogue was seen as an effective way of teaching because it allowed individuals to explore different perspectives and ideas. We still use this today. So I, I equate that to like a teacher at an elementary school. Like Susie had seven apples and gave Billy five. How many apples Susie has left? Well, I don't quite understand how to do this. Well, how many apples does Susie has? Well, she has seven. Well, she gave Billy five. Why did she give Billy five? Billy asked for five. So Susie has how many apples left? Well, if Susie gave Billy five and she has seven, she, she has two left. Uh, does she? Well, yeah, because I did this and this and this and this. Well, there's your answer. Teacher didn't give the answer. Teacher right. just made the student talk it out. Exactly. Work through it. Talk it out in your head. Use that metaphorical whiteboard or chalkboard or whatever. Um, but if you listen by talking uh, or if you learn by talking and are having a problem putting a coherent structure to your ideas, try having a, a series of conversations about the topic with different colleagues and get feedback to help you organize your thoughts. Hey, hey friend, hey, I'm thinking about doing this process, but I don't, I need a sanity check. Does that make sense? And the reason I'm doing it is because X, Y, and Z. And they're like, oh yeah, yeah. Have you thought about A, B, and C though? And, oh shit, no, I didn't think about A, B, and C. Okay, 
So that would mean that I could only do, you know, C, D, and E. Like, oh, yeah, that, that makes sense in my head. I'm like, all right, cool. Boom, uh, you just discovered blind spots. I, I often do that with a lot of uh, my subordinates or coworkers or whoever, whomever I'm talking to at the time. Because I, I already know pretty much the solution, the path to get to the end. But I want to see why does this section do it this way? Then I go to another section and say, why do you guys do it this way? And then uh, I'm listening to them talk and each person talk and they are very educated in what they're talking about. So I take the good bits and pieces of each of them and I share what this person said, what that person said. And now it's getting to a point people kind of understand what I'm actually what I'm actually doing. And maybe it's slightly annoying, but in the end, it's going to be better uh, for the greater good. Right. It's like um, it's like that example of the monkeys in the in the cage. Uh, have you ever heard of the monkeys in the cage? Of this is why we always do this. Oh, the with the water and yeah, trying to the climb hose. the ladder for the yep. uh, the bananas. Yeah. Yes. So, in case anybody hadn't heard it, I'll, I'll give you a quick rundown of it. Uh, some researchers put five monkeys in a cage and hung hung some bananas right underneath the ladder. Of course, monkeys want the bananas. They go up the ladder. Uh, and uh, every time they go up the ladder, they get sprayed with water, a water hose and kind of blast it back down the ladder. So after a while, the monkeys just stop going up the ladder. So the researchers then take uh, one of the original monkeys out and put them in with a new one. That new monkey doesn't know that. So they try to go up the ladder. Well, that before they can even get sprayed with the water, the other monkeys attack him. And so they, they just attack him uh, because they don't want to all get sprayed with water. That sucks. So the researchers keep replacing monkeys. This keeps happening. Eventually, all the original monkeys are gone. They have, and all the new monkeys have never been sprayed with water. So they have no idea what the heck is going on. Um, and so they'll put another new monkey. And even that new monkey, when he tries to go up the ladder and get the bananas, every other monkey sits there and, and smacks him down and beats him down because they they don't know why they're doing it but they're they're you know they they just know this is why we've always done it so if you talk through the problem like hey why why do we do it this way well this is the way we've always done it okay but why well i don't know my trainer told me that's how it was done and my his trainer told him the same way finally it comes back to the you know, you get an original monkey or whatever. And they're like, oh yeah, we used to get sprayed with water because of this. Like, oh shit, I had no idea. Do we still get sprayed with water? I don't know. Let's try it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Let's give it a whirl. It's, it's the cliche monkey see monkey do. Uh, that's where that saying came from. And it, if anyone has never um, like read that whole story, it's a very interesting read. I'm pretty sure you can Google a gazoogle or ping or bing or whatever. And just check out the story. It's very interesting read, very worthwhile, very yep. educational. Go ask Jeeves. <laughs> Showing your age. Uh, thanks. <laughs> so that, that leads us to learning by listening. Uh, learning by listening is the act of taking what you just heard and extracting lessons out of it. Just like I just heard this monkey story that you shared with me. And now I don't want to be the monkey see monkey do guy. Right. Uh, that's why listening to lectures, soundtracks, audio recordings can be an effective way of learning. Um, I was watching the show Quarterbacks on Netflix, and uh, one of the quarterbacks on there, Kirk Cousins, he records himself saying the plays. 
and he'll sit there and play it in his truck his recordings of his own voice sitting there reading up this calls and then he repeats it back so that way when it comes game time on sunday and the coach gives him this play he's like got it boom i know exactly what you said even though it's loud in there and a, a football stadium i know exactly what you said because i've heard it so many times i've extracted the lessons out of it i'm good to go uh, and this kind of helps explain the trend of podcasts and audio recordings for learning. Boom, like we're doing. Hey, hey. thanks for listening <laughs> to us, guys. <laughs> well, when I was doing uh, the review of the notes and doing a little research, uh, have you ever been listening to a song and you like, I know the words to this song, but I don't like this song. Why the fuck do I know the words to this song? It's yep. because the radio plays it. 50 times a day you probably heard it 52 times during that day and now all of a sudden you just know the words only because you learn it by listening just the same yep. way as he does the quarterback does for his plays the same way uh lectures podcasts like ah oh, this podcast i keep talking about leadership listen well boom you learn by listening yep so the people who learn by listening often retain information longer than other learners because auditory memory is one of the most effective ways of remembering. Listening also provides a great opportunity for reflection. In addition, this can be used to help develop critical thinking skills. That's why, you know, I tell my son, hey, listen to what I'm saying. Hear what I'm saying. Don't just listen to respond that you don't want to do your chores. Listen to what I'm telling you. Yeah, good luck with that, sir. Yeah, I hadn't worked out yet, but I'm going to keep it. I'm going to try to keep at it. Well, here's some helpful tips to make uh, better learn by listening. Uh, cancel out noise distraction. As an auditory learner, sound is the most important aspect of your learning environment. Find a silent place to study so that you're not distracted by ambient noise. It, and if this option fails, invest in some noise canceling headphones. So, like, if you're studying or you're reading a book or something, and you're trying to retain what you're... You don't want the TV playing in the background. You don't right. want a disco in the living room while you're studying in the den. Yeah, you got to have it quiet. Showing <laughs> you your have, age. You have discos in your house? <laughs> I have records. Does that count? Wow. Yes, that counts. Okay. Um... If you if you have classes or whatever, record your lectures. Um, class structure that's primarily based on lecturing is great for auditory learners. If your teacher permits it, ask if you can record the lecture so you can listen to them again at home when you're reviewing the information. These recordings end up being great study tools to use later when preparing for exams. Same thing, uh, the quarterback trying to sit there and listen to his plays, learn his plays. He's sitting there constantly just replaying the information. And, you know, now he gets it. And he's like, all right, got it. Cool. Now I understand. So that's why you, you get, you talk to, you know, when you're on the job, you have to listen to what your trainer is saying. They could show you how to do something, but normally when they're showing you how to do a process, they're talking you through the process, right? And you're trying to learn. So you're sitting there listening to how they explain why the process is the way the process is. Well, uh, another way is you can create like one of those mnemonic devices in your head there. Experts suggest that this is one of the best learning methods for auditory uh, learners. If you're struggling to remember a specific concept or a piece of information, try creating a mnemonic device for it. Turn the information into a song, rhyme, or some sort of word association. By creating interesting association, you'll be more 
likely to remember the information. And as soon as I, I read that, the, the first thing that came to my mind is the stupid way to remember the solar system. What my mm. very educated mother just served nine pizzas. Yeah. Whatever, you know, Mercury, Venus, Earth, Mars, I you know the planets. Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, and Pluto. Yeah. Or but, uh, or or the order of operations. I always thought of the order of operations. Please excuse my dear Aunt Sally. Oh uh, yeah. Um say so that that and then um Oil. my teacher or Roy, Roy G. Biv for the colors of the rainbow. Yep. Um my my teachers in, in high school, they uh I still remember to this day for the um Pythagorean theorem what was it Pythagorean theorem? Negative two plus or minus the square root of a that, squared. That's foil. First, no, first, first outside, outside, inside, last. Yeah. No, but there's a there's a a, a, a formula that's a squared plus b squared equals c squared. Well, there's also the negative two a uh, times the square root of a squared minus whatever all over four ac or something like. Oh my god, dude, you are such a nerd. They'd set they set it to <laughs> ring around the rosy or or whatever. Oh. <laughs> As, and so they they did it to this the song that we all know and I was and I so you would hear test people humming that song when they were sitting there doing it doing the test and I'm like, "Oh my gosh." I still <laughs> mostly remember it to this day. I've been out of high school for a while, but I still remember it mostly to this day. I'm like, "Yeah, it's like this, right?" And they're like, "Yeah, how do you remember it?" I'm like, "Uh, don't ask." Well, um, I, I know like phone numbers and stuff. I do like a four three. Like uh, a lot of radio jingles are like that. Well, yeah, you know, JG Wentworth is if JG uh, <laughs> Wentworth. But yeah, exactly. I, all the commercials are turning this into a mnemonic device. They're turning their information into a, uh, you know, a, a learning phrase. So you hear it enough, you're like, oh, okay, cool, got it. Um, another tip is to teach yourself. If you learn le- best by listening, try talking to yourself at oh. read, the ma- read the material aloud while you study and review the concepts out loud as if you were teaching a class. That's kind of learning by talking. The combination of reading and speaking the same information while listening to yourself will help you compromi- comprehend and internalize the information quicker. Correct. And and I believe that's really, teaching yourself is really a combination of both these together, if you really look at it. Um, oh, and yeah. You and I both know that, uh, well, I, don't, I can't say you, but I'm, clearly that is something I do, that is something that I have done and I will continue to do um, because it, it has to make sense when I say it out loud, but I have to teach myself it first before I could talk it out loud. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Oprah Winfrey is one of the world's most successful learning by listening learners. She built a career on her ability to listen to those around her. Uh, she has been quoted as saying, the reason why I'm successful is because I actually listen. And listening to Oprah, like if you ever seen an Oprah show or whatever, she gets comfy on that couch and she actually engaged, her body language is showing that she's listening. Yeah. Um, but what put a leadership spin on that I've often seen some leaders where they ask questions but they don't let the person answer they talk over the person before they can answer so they're not even listening to what the answer is they're talking before they can even learn what the answer is and the problem with that is is, as we spoke before is you need to be humble as a leader so 
if you ask a question, you should wait to listen to what the answer is so you can learn from what the other person is saying. I'm not a subject matter expert on, I don't know, uh, irrigation or yard work or plumbing or any of that sort. So if I ask a question and then I just answer before you can even tell me the reason why, then I'm not going to learn anything. I'm just going to still be stagnant in my dumbfounded ways of not learning from a subject matter expert, listening to them talk. So Oprah built a whole empire on just listening. Yeah, it's it's like those leaders that, and we all hate these people. Hate's a strong word. We all really get annoyed by these types of leaders. Uh, hey, Dice, why do you think, you know, that you, why do you think the sky is blue? Well, oh, because you think the yeah. sky is blue, huh? Is that, that So I already know why you think <laughs> the sky is blue. I get it. The sky is blue because it's blue because everything else. But I am, I'm asking you why the sky is blue, right? Uh, it's, what? You want to let? <laughs> yeah. Why don't you let you talk? They <laughs> ask a question and then they're already trying to jump in and fill in your blank that they just asked you. It yeah. makes no sense. You have to sit there and stop and listen and you have to learn by listening. That turns a lot of subordinates off. Um, that makes you unapproachable. That makes you, uh, I, I want to say a bullheaded or a bully type of leader. And you're not really going to make it very far. You may hold your position because uh, you may hold your respect level for subordinates because of your position, but that's only the respect level you're going to get is because of your position. Uh, and there's a lot to learn from that. So learning by listening, learn by talking is definitely a great aspect for any leader to approach. Yeah. Both, both of these I think are very, um, very useful tools to have in a leadership toolbox. Um, you know, if you're trying to work through a problem yourself that you got handed, um, learning by talking is a great thing to, to kind of work yourself through it. But if you're trying to figure out what the, Hey, I'm trying to figure out what, what is Billy's problem? Why can you not show up to work on time? Right? Why can't you show up to work on time? Now I have to stop and listen to what he's saying. Well, boss, I try to show up to work on time, but I got to get, you know, my son off to school. My wife just had surgery. And You're making excuses. You're making excuses. No. Yeah. So, you know, stuff like that where it's like, wait, no, well, hold on. I'm, I'm giving you a re. I'm not giving you an excuse. I'm giving you a reason. Like, that's the reason I got to get my son to school. His, his education is important. My wife can't do it. She just had back surgery or whatever the case is. Oh, okay. Well, you know, that makes sense. Well, that was a clear example of, again, the bully type leader that's not allowing someone to talk out their dilemmas, talk out their problems, talk out their situation. And because obviously they're talking about it, they're putting in a logical, abstract point of view. So hopefully everyone can understand it because they're talking it out loud. And instead of uh, letting them talk, you're just already cutting them off, saying that they're just making excuses. So this is where it's important to learn by listening. And then after you learn by listening, then you uh, and that person is learning by talking, maybe they didn't realize something that they said was something that you, have you thought of this? Have you thought of that? I've listened to everything you said. Now you should listen to me talk so you can learn by what I'm, I'm going to share with you. Right. It's, it's that back and forth methodology that we all, all need to kind of perfect. Um, you know, we've, I think we've said it, uh, I don't know, 10 million times on this show so far. Um, Communication is key, and 100%. both of these, both of the, you have to have both of these aspects. You have to be able to learn by listening. You have to learn, be able to learn by talking, in order to have communication. 
if you're sitting there just talking and trying to trying to tell everybody exactly what your point of view is you're missing out on however many other points of view that you're trying to get from other people your team will shut down around you right because uh, you let a person talk so they put their thought process in a logical coherent way for you to understand you let them finish uh, clearly as being a good leader you'll be able to poke holes into any of the their theories that they think they are learning by what they're talking and you'll be able to share what you learn from listening to them uh, right what was that uh, Socratic method yeah right so it would be like if I asked dice how is your final third and then I will have to answer you with a clear and concise logical thought process of where I am just taking some smoky fucking asshole. Ooh. <laughs> but I learned by listening. <laughs> I feel that I'm not tasting just smoke. I feel within the smoke as I swish it in my gullet here. <laughs> uh, my creamer or coffee or however you want to word it, I'm definitely getting a stronger earthy note near the end with black coffee. I still got a undertone of sweetness of the tobacco it's not out there i have to i have to find it but i'm definitely getting more of a coffee black coffee with earthy notes are you getting any white pepper at all i'm not getting any white pepper but i've been uh really hitting up the vsop so all my spices probably uh equaled out balanced out so it, uh -huh. The spiciness of the the VSOP is taking away the spice of. They're not complementing. They're taking away from each other. Okay. Contrasting is the word. Yeah. So I'm getting definitely earth, black coffee. I'm getting a little bit of white pepper on the lips. You know what? Let me try a retro. Yeah, because I'm getting it on my lips, and and it's just a little bit. Okay, without any Hennessy in my in my on my palate, I can I can get some white peppers, my friend. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So I I like this cigar. I like it a lot. Um, I think if I was to to rate this as single five packer box worthy, I think I would probably just go box worthy on this one. You're not biased or anything, are you? No. <laughs> I'm not biased either, and this is definitely. Um, when I first was engaging with it, I was like, this is going to be a five pack all day. This is a pre preconceived notion. I was just going off the cuff. But as I, I'm smoking it and I'm enjoying it and we was actually talking about it, uh, it's definitely a box worthy cigar. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Uh, you know, having purchased a five pack, um, this is actually my last one in the five pack. Um, and uh, because I've smoked them so much, that I'm like, oh, this is so good. I'm like, now I just, now I want, I still want to have more. So I'm like, this has to be uh, box worthy. Yeah, I would definitely. I'm not tired of it yet. Yeah. This is a, a same compromiso. Dunbarton, uh, Steve Saka is, is a great master blender. Um, he's been in the game for quite some time. And I can understand why, because he normally uh, blends for himself. And I can definitely understand why he made this one. Yeah. No, me too. Uh, me too. Uh, with that, we so we we're talking about the strength, uh, flavor, and the body of a cigar, um, and then we got into learning by talking and learning by listening. Um, 
yeah, I think I think this has been a, a wonderful episode. Hopefully, you guys were able to listen and learn some of the some of the stuff we had to tell you guys because we sure as heck love talking to you guys. Well, we definitely talk about it with a logical thought process behind it. Uh, that's why we have show notes because we want to try to make sense of it. We're trying to use our words as a metaphorical whiteboard so people can actually understand what we're saying and maybe even visualize what we're actually saying. And uh, this has been a great episode, my friend. Great topics. Very good. Very good. Uh, If you guys have any other topic suggestions, questions, anything like that, or just want to say, hey, cool, thanks for all the information, hit us up on um, Instagram at Leadership of the Leaf or our uh, blog. And we'd love to hear from you guys. We'd love to talk about it, talk to you guys. Um, Until next time, I'm Austin. And I'm going to stay dice. And remember, great leaders smoke great cigars. So next episode. Next one. Thank you for listening to Leadership of the Leaf. The comments and opinions expressed by the host and guests does not reflect the opinions of those that broadcast this show, nor does it reflect any of our affiliates.